Now, one of the things that's a real privilege for me is to relate to these kids, but also to get to watch them grow up. Some of you, like me, have been around here for a little while, and what's really exciting is that these kids don't always stay in that four years old to first grade demographic, right? They grow up, they get older, pretty soon they're in Waterway 2-5, the second grade through fifth grade group, and they're there in junior high, and then they're in our youth group, and they're going to Kentucky doing mission trips and playing pranks on each other. We got to hear from our youth group during Sunday school today about some of their mission work earlier this summer. Um, and, and then I've been around long enough, and some of you have been around long enough to see some of the little ones who have been up here become adults and make big-time commitments with their life about how they're going to spend their time and their energy and their efforts. And so today, I want to talk to one of those people. I'm going to invite Bryce to come forward. A number of you uh, got to hear from Bryce Angle a few weeks ago in our Mission Sunday. He was talking about um, what he's getting ready to do from a mission and school standpoint. Bryce, you just finished your second year of college, am I right? And so you got to talk a little bit about some mission work that you're going to be doing in South. Yeah, you're going to have to find a spot for the coffee. We don't have any cup holders. And let me give you Chad's mic. It is helpful to have a microphone. And so, um, Bryce, when, uh, when I started working at Waterway Church in August of 2003, you were how old? Uh, less than one. Less than one. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, one of my first memories of getting to know Bryce was uh, he was a little baby, and, and you had really dry skin on your arms when mm -hmm. you were a little baby. It was just one of those true. tough things. And, yeah. and I remember when you were a little tiny, teeny baby that you're, it, you had no coordination in your body that I could see. You were still that little baby, and yet St your fingers don't. had learned. Still. <laughs> <laughs> and yet your fingers had learned to just uh, kind of scratch. I, I remember that. And, and what's really fun, Bryce, is that now, all these years later, you went through that stage of being that children's church kid mm -hmm. and praying in front of church, right? And you went through junior high, and for your mom and dad, that feels like not very long ago. And then you went through our youth group, and now you've just finished your second year of school. You're at Bethany Global University, which is a school that really focuses in on mission and, and telling the world about Jesus Christ. Um, and now, I know you told us a couple weeks ago that you are getting ready for a 13-month uh, it's more than an internship. Yeah, experience. Experience. <laughs> yeah. A 13-month experience um, overseas working within a different culture in Southeast Asia. And so we know some of that stuff, and, and people here are supporting you, and you've been talking about what you're doing. I wanted to ask you today, before you go, because you're going to be leaving on a jet plane pretty soon. Yeah. Before you leave, I wanted to ask you, what has God been doing personally in your heart? growing your faith and all that. I, we know what you're doing. What's happening in here? Because we're going to be talking about Nicodemus a little bit today. And Jesus challenged Nicodemus, hey, it's not just about the outside. It's what's happening in your heart. So what's going on with you? I'm glad you said that you could talk to us before you, <laughs> yeah. before you head off. And we're going to pray for you. But what's happening? Yeah, a lot. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> it's, I've thought about like that question a lot of how did I kind of get to this point where I'm about to spend my year 2021 in, in Indonesia? Like that, that just doesn't happen usually. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I asked myself a lot about like, what, what happened? What went wrong? Did something wrong? Like what, what, <laughs> what, what went wrong? I'm doing what, mission work. What happened? <laughs> um, and it's, um, I think it's, 
it's a combination of a lot of things. When I was young, young as in like middle school. Oh, when you were young. Young, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. It feels like a while ago for me. I um, know. I know. I, when I was in that kind of time of my life, I experienced, I started to experience a lot of different um, exposures and, and um, just experiences in missions and in intercultural ministry and what it looked like to engage in different areas of the world and, mm-hmm. and serve in that capacity. And um, I was just kind of, as I guess in that time of my life, I, I didn't have a lot of hobbies or career interests or things. And so a lot of what filled my headspace, uh, what motivated me and excited me and uh, made me uh, just motivated for work and everything was just the idea of going to do that again and going to do it more and more. More um, of that mission, that telling yeah. people about Jesus, yeah. serving, that and, kind of and thing. and just seeing, it was really a curiosity, really. And I think when I, I remember when I was young, I think I always thought that um, going into, like, the kind of life that I'm in now, where I'm going and spending a year overseas or being in missions or being a missionary, um, I think I always expected that that would come about because there would be a loud, booming voice that says, go to Africa or something. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. Um, but that wasn't really my experience. I didn't have like a, a giant, like, you're going to go do this. No moment. drama. No. no not a, okay. Um, really, my experience has been, I um, have just kept leaping through doors that opened and um, it's been kind of just following the, the breadcrumb trail of, of what God has placed before me, next step, next step, next step. Um, and so I kept following that, and I kept encountering, I kept encountering God in a lot of different ways, in all of his, his awesomeness and his glory and his beauty and mountains and waterfalls and giraffes, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then encountering his people and the rich cultures and, and religions and, and just the beauty of people. Um, but I also, what I realized was a reoccurring theme is I, I encountered, as you do, a lot of brokenness. Mm. Um, and I don't think, I, I'm, I know I'm not someone that just goes out and wants to experience a lot of sad and depressing things, but I, I, I have, in, in, as you do when you, when you experience intercultural travel, um, just the realities of third world poverty. Uh, you know, you go to um, the Dominican Republic and it's just, it's just real. Like people are living in a landfill, like it's real and it's in front of you, you can smell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even just experiencing brokenness and even in just the church and things that are supposed to be good. Um, when we were in Africa, uh, my team got to camp out on an island in the middle of a, a delta that had a tribe that was living pretty much isolated from the world. And um, our church that we were working with had been told that a different church came and, and reached these people. And so they wanted us to go and kind of encourage them in their faith and, and see just what that experience was like. And it was crazy. I mean, it was the, we're camping in the middle of Africa with hippos walking around your tent at night. You know, it's a crazy experience. But then we started to talk with them, and, and they would be like, well, the church told us that we're supposed to still worship our ancestors, and, and that's how you commune with God. And you're just like, you're like, oh, that's not right. And that's, <laughs> that's just, it, it, it grieves you a little bit, because you're like, oh, even like the missions world can be broken at some times. And 
Um, and it's not, you know, we're not absent of it here. I was a camp counselor last summer um, for high school guys and um, just staying up talking with young men, even young Christian men in today's world. And um, they have so much, so much pressure on them to, to be everything. And, and um, your heart just breaks a little bit. Mm. And, and then even also last summer, I got to go to Kathmandu, Nepal to basically tour alongside a anti-trafficking organization. Um, and that is very intense <laughs> experience um, to just walk around and, and see signs that are job postings um, for work and, and fair pay and all that stuff. And then to have someone next to you say, that's actually a organization that is the largest trafficking ring in Asia and nobody knows. And your average story of someone in Nepal is they grow up in extreme poverty and they fall for a scheme of some kind and get roped into trafficking just instantly. Mm. And it's just like all of that, I experience all of that and it's, you just can't help but think the world's broken. Yeah. And that grieves me <laughs> and it grieves everybody. Um, and so I think, okay, why do I keep going and seeing all of that? Um, and I think it's because every time I see that, all of that, um, and, and in my journals and things, it's just kind of God's been like, Bryce, look at my people. See my heart for my people. Um, and I think he's just given me a, a taste of, of his heart mm -hmm. towards his people. Um, and so then... So then I think, well, why do, what do I do with that? Yeah, I was going to you, so, so you went to, you went to college with a real intention mm -hmm. and still to do mission work. Mm -hmm. And now you've made a big commitment to take 13 months yeah. of your life and, and go overseas. Like, how do you know that? Right. You know, like, like how do you know that God's calling you to do that? Yeah. I'm hearing a little bit of that in you, but that's, that takes a, a that's a big jump mm. to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I mean, it's, in my mind, it's, it's kind of simple almost and just like, well, like it, even amongst all of the like sad things that grieve me and that God has shown me and shown me his heart for, it's just then like the quickest turnaround of being like, well, we have good news. And we have <laughs> just, just the very concept of, guess what? God sent his son, all who believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen, hallelujah. Like, just the, the reality of, of what it means to, for the gospel to be living in, in light of something greater and um, what it means for, for a person, anybody, to know that they are created in his image, that they're a son and daughter of the high king, that they're a image bearer, and that they have dignity and value and worth more than anything the world could offer them. <laughs> Just... That in itself is just like, and then to think, most people don't know that. Just like, hmm. Um, and so I think the way that God's presented my life has just been kind of a, um, just keep, I keep following after the doors that he opens. Um, and I can see now hindsight in the ways that all of my experiences have, have shaped me to be who I am and, and have, um, given me skills or, or experience or whatever to be able to 
do think whatever he calls me to, mm. um, and trusting in that, um, even when I don't think I'm equipped. Um, but but yeah, I, I've I've seen how he's yeah just grown me, and I'm. Um, but every time that something is presenting itself in front of me, um, I just think of just just that reality, and, and I see the, where I am in my life, and um, you know I don't have I don't have commitments, I guess that um, that I thought you would ha- I would have at age twenty. You know I don't have. You're pretty free to go. Yeah, I have the time, and that's always been kind of. <laughs> I've got the time, so I'll go tell people about that's God. That's kind of been my right? thing this whole time. Is like even growing up, um, I would just whenever a trip would come up to go on during the summer or something, it'd be like, I have the time and the energy and the money to do it now, and I might not later. Um, I did not think that I would still be in that mindset now, but... I thought you'd be all grown yeah, up by 20, like, and then right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but, yeah, I've, um, I've just continued to, to feel just like more that God has to show me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no idea where that will lead. But I think that's, I don't think that ever stops, really. Mm-hmm. I think there's always a, it seems like there's always going to be God saying, I have more to show you. Yeah. I have the next thing and the next thing in it. And it looks different for everybody. But. And so you can look back on your life and you can sort of see how all of those experiences, all the breadcrumbs have led you to here. You can see how God's been at work through that. And what I hear you saying, and I think what's probably good for us to remember, is that um, whatever comes next, we don't see it yet. Mm-hmm. We, we don't see maybe how all of it fits yet, but one day we can look back and it'll look just as, yeah. look, look just as clear as your 20 years that you can see now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, press on, brother. Um, we will be praying for you and, and um, praying with you and, and mom and dad and the rest of your family as... Uh, as you do kind of step off, into a, step off into a broken world, but you go with the power and the grace and, and the salvation of God. And so uh, can I pray for you? That'd be great. Can, can we pray for Bryce together? Lord, I thank you that you have been working in Bryce's life for as long as he knows. I thank you that he can look back and see how you have orchestrated his steps. You have, um, you have given him everything he needs to be where he is right now. And Lord, I thank you for the deep faith that I hear in Bryce and that, and that he has for stepping forward into the next thing. Lord, give him your continued grace and provision and, and your courage and your confidence and your humility and your protection as he, as he goes and shares your glory with the world that you created. Lord, help us to be faithful as we support him with our prayers. Help us to be thoughtful as we, as we get to interact over the next little while. And, um, and Lord, I pray that you watch over his family and closest friends who are going to be missing him, but, uh, but who know beyond a doubt that he's, uh, that he's in your hands. So Lord, help us all and bless our brother Bryce. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Any final words that you need to share with the congregation before I let you sit back down? I think so. Just thank you guys for being my home church. Um, it's a real honor and privilege to have you guys as my, my home base. So, um, yeah. Amen. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. Good job. You just never know how God is going to work, how God is going to act, or where it's going to come from. 
I mean, some of you have been watching Bryce grow his whole life. And uh, boy, now just these next chapters and these next steps, and it's just amazing, and it's, it's beautiful to see. Well, there's a really fun theme that's kind of been somewhat intended, but God is really emphasizing here through this morning. And it is that, that God does work in our lives, and some of those are in ways that we can see and we have an opportunity to kind of shape it and, and we get to make decisions. But there are some times that, that God simply, when we lean on him, God comes to work in our lives in ways that we didn't expect or that we didn't see coming or that we couldn't anticipate. And so I'd like to read for you, actually read along with you, a scripture from John chapter 3 today. This is our morning scripture. We're just going to read the first um, number of verses. I think we have the first eight verses on our screen this morning. And so I wonder, congregation, would you read along with me? Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me, I believe. There we go. Um, this is a conversation that Jesus had with a fellow named Nicodemus. And, and I wonder if we can read this together before we think about it together. C can you read with me? Let's read out loud. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Here we have this passage from the Gospel of John. Jesus is doing his Jesus thing, and he's been doing it for some time. He's getting to have a following, but now it says there is this Pharisee, and, and Pharisees were Jewish men. Pharisees were, were men who grew up in the Jewish tradition, the Jewish culture. They would have been educated from the time they were young, and they would have been identified as really little guys that this boy is really sharp. This boy is really gifted and blessed by God, and the Pharisees were trained to be the teachers and the religious leaders of Israel. And so here is Nicodemus, this Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. That tells us perhaps a little bit more about who he was and what his situation was under the cover of darkness, right? Nicodemus, because of some of the politics, because of some of the dynamics, was probably not free to come to Jesus without getting a lot of flack from some of his Pharisee brothers who were, many of them, convinced that Jesus was an imposter. But he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, and so here Nicodemus, this teacher of Israel, a member of the ruling council, this Pharisee, addresses Jesus with this honorific and with this title, rabbi. That means teacher. Jesus, who was probably younger than him. Jesus, who had less formal education than him. Jesus, who had less earthly station than him. And yet Nicodemus says, rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Who is we? 
Well, it's not all of the Pharisees because some of the Pharisees were still dead set against the possibility that Jesus had come from God. Jesus is, is making some claims that are impossible for them to believe. And in fact, Jesus, when he tells people eventually that he is the son of God, this is what just breaks the backs of so many of the Pharisees. But, but Nicodemus comes and says, we. So it's not just him. He's got some buddies who are smart, who are influential, and who are believing along with him. He says, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. No one could do what you're doing if God weren't with him. And then Jesus says to him, kind of steps around the statement with this odd reply. He says, well, very truly, I tell you, nobody can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That's not a question that Nicodemus was asking, is it? Nicodemus, in fact, didn't ask him any question at all. He just kind of comes and it's like he wants to see him. He says, Jesus, we know that you are the son of God. And now Jesus, as he often does, replies in an unexpected way, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And then Nicodemus, remember, this, this older man, this man who would have been diligently studying the Old Testament from the time that he was a little boy, this man who would have had, had much of the Old Testament memorized, this man who would have understood Judaism like few others in his world. Now he begins to ask a question, how, how can someone be born when they're old? which sounds like a pretty obvious question, doesn't it? Jesus says, be born again. He says, what? Huh? Born again? How many of you have been born again? Some, some of you, that's terminology that might be strange for, for some of you, but you, know, you believe in Jesus Christ. You have a new life now. You have a new identity. Before, as Reuben said, you found your identity in all kinds of things, but now you find your identity in Christ. That's a new life. You've been born again. Well, this was all new to Nicodemus, Born again, and we could see what he's thinking. He's just thinking physiology and anatomy. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And every mother in the room says, praise God. <laughs> Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you. Again, he starts his comment in the same way as he did just a minute ago. Very truly, I tell you. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit, capital S, that is the Holy Spirit, gives birth to spirits within us, our, our spirits. So God gives birth to our spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, Jesus says to Nicodemus, the wind blows, you can't see it, you don't know where it's coming from, you just know that it's happening. Jesus says so much of that is like what God does within us. We don't know quite where it comes from. I mean, we know it comes from God, but we don't see it coming so that we can brace for it, right? God works and, and God's Holy Spirit works and all of a sudden something is stirred up inside of us that wasn't there before. And even if, as Bryce says, you can look back and see all of the breadcrumbs that led us to this place, sometimes we are called forward into something that we didn't see coming. But there's life there and there's passion there because God's in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have any of you walked through that kind of a thing where you had things going the way that you thought made sense? Life was kind of just, you know, you were rolling and, and maybe you were following God even with all of your heart, but then God put something in your life that just blew you away. A door opened and you knew that you had to leap through it. Do you know what I mean? Are some of you there right now? I mean, are any of you at a spot where you're following God and I'm looking at a couple faces and thinking of some people who are even really kind of new with their commitment to follow God? 
but God's putting some stuff in front of you. It's like the wind blowing. You're not sure where it's coming from. You know it's God, but how did this get here? Me? Now? Do you know Do you know what it is to be invited by God into something powerful and deep? Jesus says, Nicodemus, you know this. The spirit of God moves, it moves like the wind. You you can't see it, you can't understand it, you certainly can't control it. You, You just deal with it when it comes. Church, can we relate to what Jesus is telling Nicodemus? He says, you hear it sound, you can't tell where it comes from, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In all of us in this room, all of us who are saved, all of us who follow Jesus as our Savior, all of us who have been touched by the Holy Spirit, in all of us, something has happened to us at one time or another that we didn't create. Something that stirs us up and, and, and allows us to believe and allows us to see God and respond to God's grace in a way that we didn't manufacture. Jesus says, everyone born of the Spirit has had something move within us, and we just responded and said yes, and then away we go. Jesus says to Nicodemus, that's what life is like. And Nicodemus, who's been following the Jewish religion that's at this point existed for 2,000 years, Nicodemus, who's been studying and, and can, and can kind of understand the rituals and understand the practices, he understands the traditions and the history, he knows what to expect in so much of life. Now he's come to Jesus at night and he says, you're a teacher who come from God. No one can do the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus says, I know, the spirit is moving. Nicodemus, get ready. And then Jesus went on with perhaps the most famous verse out of the Bible in the whole world. For God, verse 16 of John chapter three, for God so loved the world, Jesus said, that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Jesus says, the spirit moves and stirs things up. And if you believe, if you respond to that stirring and acknowledge that Jesus is indeed God's son, if you believe in that, you shall not perish, but you can have eternal life. And that's true for us who are here. That's true for those of us who are blessed and who are feeling like I've got everything I need. That's true for those of us who have families who love us and people who respect us and friends who support us. It's true for those of us who kind of have a grip on things. But you know, it's also true for those of us who are lost and broken and lonely for those of us who don't know how we're going to pay the bills tomorrow, for those of us who don't know what we're supposed to do with our lives, do you understand that God loved the world enough that he gave us Jesus so that even with all the other junk and all the other stuff that either we identify with or that tries to identify us, do you realize that in the midst of all that, God sent his son Jesus so that we could have life in him and all that other stuff doesn't have to be primary. Jesus gives us life. Jesus gives us purpose. And Jesus gives us salvation. This is what John 3 is about. And this is what Jesus is trying to get through to Nicodemus because here in his presence is a man who has a lot of influence. Jesus knows that Nicodemus, he's going to go back and he's going to still be part of that ruling council. When the morning, when Nicodemus goes back to work, he's going to be teaching the people of Israel because that's what he does. He's going to be making decisions because that's what he does. Jesus, is is it possible to say that Jesus is a missionary? I I don't know. Is he a sending agent? Yeah, he's sending Nicodemus almost as his 
envoy, his missionary back into the Jewish world. And Jesus simply says, the spirit is moving. You can't see it. You can't understand it all the time. And you certainly can't control it. But the spirit is moving. Nicodemus, do you understand this? Will you be born again? That's the question that that I try to keep asking you over and over and over all the time in the work that I do. Whether it's my work here as a preacher, whether it's in my office as a, I'm not a counselor. I'm not qualified to be a counselor nor educated to be a counselor. But as I talk with you and as we share counsel, I try to keep pushing back. Do you have life in Jesus? Because that is where it comes from. The next few weeks here at our church, we are going to be having so much fun. We have people in our church who are stating, yes, I do believe in Jesus. The Spirit's been moving in them, and and people are responding to that. And some of you are coming out of the woodwork in ways that I just don't understand. It's like the the wind. Where did you come from? How did you get here? Why in the world is this the time that you've said, I believe in Jesus now? And I say, I don't know, but I am just along for the ride, and it is a kick. And I will tell you, next week, church, we get, to, we get to see some of this stuff happen together. First of all, we are going to be having communion together during our worship service. This is next week, July 30th. For those of you who are watching online, this might be a good weekend to get here live. We don't have communion through the airwaves, but we will be serving communion here in our sanctuary. Communion is our statement together that we have responded to the Spirit's moving and we do indeed believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus told his followers to remember his death. And when we take communion together, we proclaim that Jesus is Lord and that we believe in the life-saving power of his death and resurrection. We believe that Jesus, who never did anything wrong, Jesus, who was perfect, died on the cross so that we, who have done a lot of things wrong, can be forgiven of our sins and know eternal life in heaven. I'll talk a little bit about more that, a little bit more about that next week. But we're going to remember that truth together in communion. And a key piece of communion is that we do it together. When we eat that little piece of bread and drink our grape juice, we are saying that we are part of the body of Christ, that we participate in his body, which is the bread, and we drink the cup, which symbolizes his blood. What does it mean? Why are we doing this together? It means that none of us is really living lives on our own. And together, next week, as we take communion, we are going to be stating that we are the church, we are Jesus' body. As it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So when we take communion together next week, we should be doing that in harmony. Harmony with God and harmony with each other. In 1 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul gives some instruction to those who are getting ready to take communion in Corinth. And he says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So next week, if you're here with us and we've got, the, we've got the cup and we've got the bread out in front and I'll invite people to come down and take the juice and take the bread and go back and sit at your seat before we all have it together. But next week, if you're not sure about Jesus and if you're not saved, you shouldn't take communion. Just watch and observe and soak it in. If you haven't ever been baptized as a public statement of your faith, you probably shouldn't take communion because we're going to say together, that we are united in our belief in Jesus. And I don't want any of you to be liars. I'm not trying to trick you, right? And, and those of you who have young children with you, unless they have publicly stated their belief in Jesus and become part of God's church through baptism, they shouldn't be coming forward to take communion either. It's not a snack. 
It's not something we just kind of go along with casually. And church, this may affect more of you than any of those situations. If you are at odds with or have conflict with anyone else in this room, in other words, if you say that you are a Christian and they say that they are too, and yet you haven't been able to figure out your relationship with each other, you probably shouldn't take communion next week. Because we're hypocrites if we all say together, we are the body of Christ, but then we go on holding our grudges or nursing unforgiveness towards each other or just unable to address the challenges between us. That's the warning, right? Now, the blessing is we have a week to make things right. You've got a problem with somebody, work that out. My goodness, you've got the Holy Spirit within you, and if they're a believer, they do too. We can't work out our differences Matthew 5, chapter 23 and 24, Jesus teaching his disciples, he says, if you are offering your gift at the altar, now that's different than communion, but you can see the spirit here when he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, in other words, it's not even just that you don't like them, but you know somebody's frustrated with you. If that's the case, Jesus says, leave your gift right there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come back and offer your gift. That's communion. Because when we come together, we should be able to say, I have done everything I can do to be at peace with God. That makes me a Christian. And to be at peace with each other. That makes me a part of the church. And so this week, if you have doubts about your faith or if you have conflict with someone else who's a Christian, work it out. Talk to me if you need to. I have office hours Tuesday through Friday. I'll be glad to talk with you and walk you through it. Or talk to one of our elders. Anthony, John, as you saw this morning in Sunday school, he's out in Washington. It'd be difficult to talk to him. But Reuben's here. Ross is in the room. Talk to these guys. and We all have phones. We all have time. We can help you get sorted out. So that's communion next week, and it's going to be a blast. But here's the real celebration. And here's what I really want to make sure that you hear before this service wraps up today. Next week, July 30th, and two weeks from now, on August 6th, we're going to have baptism services here at Waterway Church. We have 13 different people so far who have proclaimed their faith in Jesus and who are saying they want to be baptized as a public expression of their faith, as a public marker of the fact that they are born again. The Spirit has worked in them and they've responded and they've said, I've, I've made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, but now I'm making a public proclamation through baptism of Jesus Christ. So first, really quickly, I'd like to talk to you about what we're going to do and then we'll spend the rest of the morning thinking about why we do it. And that's probably going to be a shorter time than what we wish. During our worship services the next two weeks, the people who are getting baptized each Sunday will come forward and share their testimony during our morning worship services. Some of you saw something like that a few weeks ago. We had five people came up and they became members of our church. They had already been baptized as adults. Well, these people who are going to be baptized, when they get baptized, they also become a member of our church here at Waterway. So they're going to share their testimony during the worship service. A testimony is just a person's story about how they came to believe in Jesus and what God is doing in their lives now. So during our worship services, we'll have those testimonies. Then immediately after our worship services, around 11.45 or 11.50 or 11.55, we'll all go out to the backyard out here where we'll have a tank of water and the people who are getting baptized will get wet. Water symbolizes a number of things. It illustrates our sins being washed away. You ever take a bath? It illustrates that in Christ we are cleansed and made new. Being dunked in the water reminds us that Jesus' burial and resurrection, where he spent three days in the ground and then rose again in the new life, that we're participating with him in that. You ever been held underwater for too long? I won't do that to any of the people we're baptizing. 
But do you know that feeling of, I am going to die if I don't get a breath of air? And then you come up, <gasps> new life. There's some symbolism there that connects to our baptism. So we'll gather around the water next week at 1145 or so, and I'll baptize some folks. I'm still looking for a, uh, a flatbed wagon or a flat trailer that we can use for a stage. Let me know if you can help with that. And we were hoping to do it in a pond, just down here south of the building, but we just haven't been able to get it ready, haven't been able to get it fit. The rains of the past few weeks have resulted in a lot of algae, and we feel like it would just be too much of a mess this time. We're hoping we can get it ready for next time. For some of you, this baptism service will be a lot like many of the others that you have witnessed. But for others of you, our way of doing baptism as a Mennonite church will be a little different. There are lots of ways that Christians baptize, right? Some people pour a little bit of water on a person's head. That's cool. Some people sprinkle even less water on a person's head. That's cool. And there are some of you in the room who've been baptized one of those ways or another. Fully legitimate. Nothing wrong with that at all. But frankly, I like to dunk a whole person's body under the water. In, in the scripture, often when we see people being baptized, they're going down to the river or they're going to a place where there is a lot of water. And it just seems to me that whenever you get two people that are close to the water standing beside each other, they don't very often just say, let me pour a little bit on you. It's more of a bang, get in there. So that's what we do. That's what we do and that's what we're going to do. Um, and then even though as dunkers, there's other people that are dunkers too, but, but some people do that, you know, one time backward or one time forward. That's, that's all fine. I'll be baptizing people three times forward in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism looks like here. That's what you can expect next week. But the biggest difference some of you will notice is how, is not how we baptize, but who we baptize. Who, whom, whom, who? The people who get baptized is what you're going to notice. Not everyone who is getting baptized is an adult. Some of them are 11 or 12 or 13 years old. But everybody who's getting baptized is a believer. And what I mean by that is they have experienced the kind of thing that Jesus talked to Nicodemus about. The Spirit has moved in them in some way at some point in their life, and they are saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he has forgiven me of my sins, and I accept him and receive him as my Savior. So, everyone that we baptize will be baptized as a believer. As Mennonites, that's how we do it. Baptism is something that we see as a response to faith. Believe and be baptized. We don't baptize infants. We don't baptize young children who don't understand Jesus and his salvation or who can't share a basic testimony of belief. We baptize people who, as you'll see, have made a public proclamation of their faith in Jesus Christ. They've said that they believe. As Roman 10's lead us, Roman 10 leads us, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Baptism is a celebration of that. It's a sign of that. It's a symbol of that so that we might forget sometimes, wait, Jaden, did he... What did he say? Sometimes we forget words, but you know what? You can remember it when we say, we all gathered around in the backyard of the church and we saw Jaden get baptized. We know, I remember that. He has said that he believes in Jesus Christ. That is the symbol, that is the seal, that is the picture that I remember. That's how baptism helps us. Church, you and I are not the judges of salvation. Only God does that. There are people who don't get to hear about Jesus in their lifetime. There are 
babies and little ones who die and have never had the ability to understand or testify about Jesus. There are people who have developmental challenges, whose minds are never able to believe or comprehend God. You know, the beauty of God is that he knows all and he knows everyone's hearts. God is gracious and will figure everything out regarding people's salvations. You and I don't judge each other's salvation at all. We don't have to do that. But we do believe that God calls everyone who has the capacity to decide to choose whether they will follow him or reject him. And baptism is simply a person's statement of saying, I will follow Jesus. And then for the rest of their lives, we together get to remember that on July 30th, 2023, or on August 6th, 2023, or on on April 18th, 2009, or, or on September 1st, 1984, you were baptized. I saw it. I remember it. You are a brother of mine. Let's go. We can be better than this. This is what we are moving toward, and this is what we're going to celebrate next week. Ah, there's so many more things to say. Page four, page five, page six. (laughs) Let Let me just invite you with the same kind of invitation that we keep putting out over and over again. If you're a believer in Christ, Come and have communion with us next week as we remember what it means to follow after Jesus. If you've made a public confession of Jesus Christ, but you haven't been baptized yet and you're getting ready to be baptized next week, keep praying and and think about your testimony and know that we are all praying along with you. Come and be baptized. But listen, there are some of you in this room, and I know there's a handful of you who have never made any kind of confession of Jesus Christ. You're here today because somebody... Somebody was nice enough to invite you along and you were nice enough not to say no. Or you were here today because something just kind of stirred you up and said, today is the day I need to get to Waterway Church. I I don't know how you got here. The wind blew you in. But the invitation is the same as what we're going to celebrate in communion. It's the same as what we're going to mark in baptism. The invitation is, come to Jesus. Jesus. And, and answer that little stirring that's inside of your heart and, and just say yes. Just, just say yes to his offer of grace to forgive you. To let your identity be in him and not in all the mistakes that you've made before. To let your identity be in him and not even to be in all of your successes, which can be taken away in a moment. Jesus Jesus told us in John chapter 3, Jesus was sent so that all who believe in him don't have to perish but can have everlasting life. And that's the offer for all of you here. And and some of you, your confession is a little rusty. For some of you, the last time that you said, I believe in Jesus, a lot of water has gone under the bridge and and maybe you've been slipping up. Maybe you need to get closer to God again and closer. Come back and, and let's start with communion next week. And then together, we'll learn to walk better with the Lord. But listen, if you haven't taken the first step, that is to say, I believe in Jesus and I will receive him as my Lord. I hope you'll do that today. I hope you'll do that right now. Our worship team is going to come forward. They're going to sing our final song. So guys and gals, come on up. But if there are any of you, while we're (laughs) starting to get choked up, this last song is called Death is Arrested. If you don't know it, oh, it's beautiful. And you're going to see how how really powerful and true these words of Jesus are, not just when you hear them preached, but when you get to sing them together. But as we're singing, if you have anything that you just need to pray about or you need to let go of or, or, that, or that you finally need to give to Jesus, I'll be right here. 
come and talk to me and I'll talk and pray with you while we sing. And, and if that's a little weird for you or a little too upfront, um, I'll be here after the service as well. Don't leave this place today without knowing that Jesus loves you so much. Jesus loves you so much that if you'll just believe in him, there is salvation for you too. Brothers and sisters, there is salvation for you too. Will you stand and sing with us as we sing death?